0: There's a very strong religious motif that runs throughout Epictetus's discourses, and it's not simply window dressing or something optional. It really is a key part of his entire perspective. And so he sees the human being as being a part of God, as being a creature of God, as being, in a certain sense, a friend or a child of God. And one of the things that he references at a number of points, particularly in Book 4, is this issue of willing or choosing what it is that God will. Now, of course, Epictetus does not have something exactly like what later thinkers are going to call the faculty of will, of voluntas, but the faculty of choice, as he understands it, the races is pretty close to that, and he uses some other terminology as well that I should probably signal very quickly, since in translation, sometimes this is going to be overlooked because we're using the same word will or want, so there's a Greek verb thalane. And when Epictetus is talking about willing or wishing or, or desiring what it is that God desires, he's using that word theline. And that means to, to want something, to prefer that, to wish that to be the case. It's very much connected with this notion of proaireisis. Proaireisis is a, a noun which comes from the verb proairein, which means to take something before another thing. And so these are connected up with each other. Another thing that the, the Greeks would use, that you see Epictetus uh, using as well, were these you know terms like hekon, meaning willingly. We would say voluntarily or by one's own free choice. And then aqua, not so, right? So all that said, what is this stuff about willing what it is that God wills? Now here's a passage from chapter 4 of book 4, which we're going to come back to in a moment. He says, do keep in remembrance your general principles. He's talking about stoic dogmata there, you know, the things you're supposed to keep in mind so that it'll help you think things out properly what is mine? What is not mine? What has been given me? And then he asked, what does God will that I do now? What does he not will? What does God want for me to do? Presumably, God has my best interests at heart, God for Epictetus and the Stoics is a providential God. God is rational, more rational than I am. In a certain respect beyond even my ra- limited rationality is capacity to understand God's rationality. So God is not going to want for me crazy bad stuff. As a matter of fact, the Stoics are going to say that when the gods are depicted as, as, you know, commanding things that are actually not good for a person to do, those are just myths that have to be, you know, understood in an allegorical way. So God is. God wants for people uh, certain things, and he also chooses against things. And he says, a little while ago, it was God's will for you to be at leisure, to converse with yourself, to write about these things, to read, to listen, to prepare yourself. You had sufficient time for that. That was How do you know that that was God's will? Because that was what you were actually given. That's, that's what happened. You got to go to school. You got to study Epictetus. You got to study with Epictetus if you were back in ancient Greece, right? Epictetus got to study with Musonius Rufus. Now, however, God says to you, come at length to the contest. Show us what you have learned, how you have trained yourself. How long will you exercise alone? Now the time has come for you to discover whether you're one of the athletes who deserve victory or belong to the number of those who travel about the world That are everywhere defeated. Meaning that at a certain point, God not only wants for the Stoic to study Stoic philosophy, but to put it into application. And God would like for the person to be successful. It's up to the person whether he or she really will be successful or will be defeated by what they wrestle. So, what else can we say about this notion of God's will? Well, what does God really want? human beings. In the most general sense, we can understand this in terms of what God gave us. So Epictetus will tell us at numerous points, look, God gave us a ruling faculty. That's actually the portion of the divine within us. And that's, uh, you know, you can check out the other videos on the ruling faculty and on the pro-racist. These are all really the same thing. The faculty of rationality or reason, the faculty of choice, the pro-racist. These are all the, the hegemonic on the ruling faculty. God gave us that as an integral part of human nature. He also gave us other things, too. A body threw us into existence at a certain point in time. But the body is not something divine. The body is actually kind of an encumbrance. Epicurus actually has Zeus say at a certain point, look, if I could have given you better stuff, I, I would have. I gave you the best stuff I possibly could. So what does God want from us now that we've been given this? Well, these Faculties or faculty have been given to us in order for us to develop them. We don't come into the world with all of our faculties operating at their highest level the way you know, say, a piece of hardware comes right out of the package. As a matter of fact, it's not even the case for computer hardware these days. You got to upload a bunch of drivers and put in the right software, and you know, tinker around with things. And then when things break down, you got to go onto forums and find out what, the, how did this happen? Right? They're constantly releasing shoddy software and hardware that has to be updated. Um, so maybe that's not the best example, but it's still more than than human beings. We have to learn how to. To be more and more rational. We have to use the rationality that we have, which is imperfect, to improve upon that rationality. Likewise with our faculty of choice. By the time that we start thinking about, man, how do I unscrew up this personality that I seem to have developed? We've already got some things we have to work on and we can use the faculty of choice to do that. We need to develop and then rightly use, not just use, but rightly use these faculties. And why? What is the highest purpose of a human being? You might say, well, it's to be free and to be happy. Well, along with that, in Epictetus' view, goes this connection with the divine governance. What is that connection? Well, part of it is being spectators, being able to see it. As a matter of fact, it's not just being a spectator about the entire cosmos, even to go to be in a crowd. He says you should look at being in a crowd as being in a festival. You go to the festival and you, you don't need to worry about what's going on or what's happening. Just sit back and watch. Be a spectator. But that's not all for human beings. We have the capacity, at least to some degree, to understand the divine governance. was certainly in the most important respects. For example, the fact that we've been given these these faculties. And going beyond that, we have the capacity to cooperate with, to partake in the divine governance. This is something that is, according to Epictetus, unique to human beings among all of the animals. The other animals, as he says, they're governed by the way that God set things up and they use appearances. We are able to understand and to modify appearances we are able to understand and decide, don't want to cooperate with or fight against the divine governance. What else does he tell us? He says that God wants us not to claim things outside of the faculty of choice. Why? Is this God being punitive with us and saying, look, I, I, you know, I'm know, i going to give you a little bit of freedom, but I don't want you to use too much of it. No, God wants what is actually best for us. God wants us to confine our faculty of choice to this sort of reflexive relation where it's working upon itself and seeing how we use external things, because that is indeed what is best for us. That will make us happy. That will render us people who are able to get along within this, this divine and human community. So what does he actually have to say about that? There's two great passages that I want to call your attention to. One is in chapter four. He says, there is but one way to serenity, and that you should keep this thought ready for use at dawn and by day and at night. And that is to yield up all claim to the things that lie outside of the sphere of the moral purpose or the faculty of choice, to regard nothing as your own possession, to surrender everything to God, to fortune to yield everything to the supervision of those persons who even God has made supervisors even if they're jerks he doesn't say that here but you know that's something he says in many other places then to devote yourself to one thing only that which is your own that which is free from hindrance and to read referring reading to this end and so to write and so to listen that is sort of an ideal of what we ought to do but what what goes along with that well one notion is if we're in a particular relationship where, you know, we have a parent telling us what to do, or there's laws that govern our city, we should actually obey those laws because God placed us in the situation where those things are telling us what to do. Now, of course, if they go against injustice, then we don't have to to follow them, but we, we have to be ready to accept the consequences in that case. In chapter three, he says another thing. I should not claim anything, not property, not body or office or reputation, nothing in short, nor does God wish me to claim them. Had he so desired, he would have made them good for me, but as it is, He has not so made them, therefore I cannot transgress any of his commands. Guard your own good in everything you do, and for the rest, be content to take simply what has been given of you, insofar as you can make a rational use of it. And then he says, here's the consequences if if you don't follow that. If you don't, you're going to have bad luck and no luck. You'll be hampered and hindered. These are the laws, he says, that are sent you from God. These are his ordinances, and it it is of these you ought to become an interpreter. You ought to subject yourself. not the laws of Sirius and Cassius. The idea there is that there is indeed some sort of divine law. It's not one where, you know, God gave it on top of Mount Sinai or through the mouth of priests or anything like that. It's rather one that we can come to understand through reason. God built that into the fabric of the universe and into the fabric of our rationality. But they are laws nonetheless. They manifest the divine will, which is For our own good. When we decide we want to go against it, which we are left free to do, we suffer as a result. And we don't suffer because God, you know, throws lightning bolts down at us or sends a plague. We suffer because when we preoccupy ourselves with things that really aren't our business, we are setting ourselves up for trouble. Another thing that he says in chapter 24 of book 3 is that if we want to will what it is that God wills, we ought to fulfill our roles and relationships in an orderly way, rightly following God. It's a very interesting passage. So he says, Whatever station you assign to me, I will die 10,000 times, as Socrates says, or ever I abandon it. Wherever you want me to be, in Rome, Athens, and Thebes, or Gaera, Only remember me there. If you send me to a place where men have no means of living in accordance with nature, I'll depart this life not in disobedience to you, but as though you were sounding for me the recall. I don't abandon you. Far be that from me. But I perceive that thou hast no need of me. So if there is vouchsafed a means of living in accordance with nature, I will seek no other place than that in which I am or other men than those who are now my associates. Epictetus is talking here about accepting the conditions that we've been placed in as those that are willed by God and then making the best of them. If there are conditions in which we cannot live, then we depart from this life as if God is recalling us back, back to the basic elements that we were composed of. But if it is possible to live with these human beings in these circumstances, then I will focus on that and stay true to God. And he says, how does God want us to to do things? As a free man, but also as God's servant, as one who perceived God's commands and prohibition. So these are quite important ways of thinking about how we ought to behave there is like i said a very strong religious component to what epictetus is saying but it's not the sort of religion that we tend to think of you know as revealed religion instead this is something where god is quite literally not just out there in the universe but also within us is within our rationality helping to guide us so epictetus says that we should will. Or we should choose what it is that God wills for us. And he gives us some interesting ways of understanding just what that would be for a human being. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com slash sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.